0: Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon.
1: It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something.
0: Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff.
1: Hello and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray.
0: And I'm Jesse Blount, and today we're talking about chapters 51, 52, and 53 of Wayward Son. In which, chapter 51, Simon is really not here for Baz going to a second location with Lamb again, So he flies off, literally, after Lamb's Prius, invisible, thanks to Penny. Chapter 52. Baz is well aware that he promised his boyfriend he would not go off with Lamb, but he at least knows that his friends are following. Lamb and Baz have a little philosophical discussion about the nature of vampires, and we learn that Lamb lives in a penthouse in the same vampire hotel our heroes have been staying at. Lamb gives Baz the... TLDR version of his turning, his brother became a vampire, ate his whole family, but Lamb staked him before totally killing him, and voila. Um, so Lamb has some skin in the game of like organized vampires who aren't just turning people willy nilly. Lamb, and it seems like the rest of the Las Vegas vampire community, is wary of attacking Next Blood outright. Because, turns out, if you're chilling in Vegas for a few hundred years, you really don't want to risk death because some tech bros are doing ignorant-ass shit. But, also, Lamb has noticed another heartbeat in the room. It's Simon, of course, still (laughs) invisible. And then the cavalry arrives, a.k.a. Penny and Shepard. Chapter 53. Shepard is just taking in this quasi-lover's quarrel between Simon and Baz about Baz being in Lamb's studio penthouse. Thankfully, Shepard turns on his Midwest charm to calm everyone the fuck down, and it works. Lamb is very confused about Baz's friends and makes tea because he is still very British and the gang is so pumped to have tea. (laughs) Everyone is also failing at convincing Lamb to help them, but Shepard reminds Lamb they all have a common enemy, next blood. And if the gang takes them on, Lamb literally cannot lose. Also, Shepard guesses that Lamb is the motherfucking king Vegas. (laughs) This freaks everyone the fuck out. And Penny wisely is like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Only when they get to their room, there are some people in very nice suits waiting for them. Dun, dun, dun.
1: Yeah, big time dun, dun, dun. (sighs) It's almost like we've arrived at the climax of the book. I know. (laughs) Okay, anyway, we are going to remind you that we're spoiling the entire series and then we're going to enter... Easy Come, Easy Go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. I'm... I... I think it's amazing that Lamb drives a Prius and that <laughs> Shepard is like, really? <laughs> a Prius?
0: <laughs> you know, it. I think it is... I love that Shepard finds that amusing. Because, right, you're like, wouldn't you drive some, like, funny, classic car similar a la to... Spikes and his vintage, like 1930 DeSoto or whatever the fuck, classic convertible. Angel drives an angel, um, but no, Lamb. Lamb is very environmentally conscious, so yes. That's the
1: thing. <laughs> I was thinking about that, like right right now, not previous to it, but like as soon as we started talking about it, I was like, no, Lamb talks so much about like valuing your life the longer you live. So it makes so much sense that vampires would be like on the forefront of environmentally conscious because they're like, no, I love living forever. And if I want to live forever, the world has to be here.
0: Right. It is also, I think, a little bit like the way, and I'm going to say this because I'm also the same way where you're like, ooh, grass-fed beef on like regenerative grazing practices. That's great for everyone. And then I, I can eat this fancy beef. And I'm probably sure it's like Lamb is like, man, global warming would really put a dent in <laughs> the amount of people for us to eat. So
1: <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Las Vegas especially because it's so precarious, it's already depending on water being trucked in from other places. So if that water goes away, like his whole kingdom crumbles.
0: Uh yeah. For real.
1: <laughs> Whoops, we got political on the first point.
0: <laughs> I feel like I mean, yes, but I don't know. If you're not concerned about the climate crisis, I don't... Anyway, whatever.
1: I agree. I didn't mean it was contentious. I just meant (laughs) that usually we save the depressing things for a specific segment.
0: Yeah, I guess I wasn't expecting that to go in such a depressing... Me either. Anyway, what do you have
1: first?
0: Um, I... (sighs) I don't know why Lamb assumed that baz wasn't gay as hell <laughs> i'm like what? i mean maybe it's because all vampires just dress a little bit ostentatiously but i'm like my dude <laughs> i
1: he wait he did what do you mean
0: when he was just like oh agatha star-crossed lovers and baz is like it's not like that
1: well okay but here's how i read that because lamb says what's his name and then baz is like agatha and lamb is like huh I feel like that's Lamb being like, I thought you were gay as hell. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least that's how I read it.
0: No, th- no, that's fair. That makes sense.
1: A little biphobic of Lamb.
0: Yes. Thank you. More, more accurate. Yeah. So.
1: um, The conversation that I think we'll probably talk about later, about like the circle of life and vampires' place in that, um, but the fact that it ends with... You know, Lamb being like, "Everything is eaten by something," and Baz says, "What eats you?" And Lamb says, "Existential despair."
0: I actually love that line (laughs) so much. Yes,
1: (laughs) it's so good that I want to ask you and the listeners if we should put it on a T-shirt.
0: Oh my god! (laughs) Mm. I feel like my reflex to be like, "Yes." Uh, People should let us know if they would buy that.
1: Yeah, I feel like it has, like, really good potential. If anyone wants, like, if you want that, let us know. And if you have, like, the perfect design idea, whether you want to make that design or just, like, pitch the design for either me or Theo to create, also let us know that. Because I don't have an image in my head. I just was like, that seems like a really good thing to have on a shirt. Yeah. (sighs) Okay.
0: Oh. Uh, actually, I don't have much in this section, but... I also just love, in Shepard's chapter, him being like, Okay, great. I'm glad I got confirmation about if Simon and Beth were
1: a Yeah, we've seen Shepard, like, every time anyone has gone to bed, he's just been like, Is that what I expected? Is that what I expected? Just, like, totally confused by the dynamic between the three of them, which... Makes sense.
0: Yeah, for real. And yeah, it just it just always makes me laugh. That's all.
1: Um, so, you know, in the Muppets. <laughs> OK, so like Gonzo and Rizzo are best friends. Right. And yeah. usually there's like another person hanging out with them. Whatever. I'm thinking specifically about Muppet Treasure Island. But I think this happens in, in all of them where they'll be introducing themselves. And so, like, in in Muppet Treasure Island specifically, it's like, Jim is a human and Rizzo's a rat and Gonzo's a whatever. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, Simon is their Gonzo. Oh, no! Oh, my God. Right? No, you're correct. (laughs) Because Lamb literally is like a vampire, a mage, a bleeder, and a dot, dot, dot. And you're like, whatever.
0: And a very angry baby dragon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> With the negative self-control. Yes. <laughs> uh. Um. I love that. Sorry piggybacking on that i guess my next and last point is the fact that simon's negative self-control results in him a not getting to sit on the furniture and b having to drink his tea out of a plastic cup.
0: (laughs) i mean i'm sure that was like a 300 plus year old chair that lamb is very annoyed I'm, like, honestly surprised he even gave Simon tea, to be perfectly <laughs> frank.
1: Honestly, I think that giving him tea in, like, a casino sippy cup is ruder than not giving him tea.
0: <laughs> you know that's fair. Uh, yeah, I imagine it's, like, kind of the, like, grungy in the way that, like, old plastic gets grungy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I thought it was pretty rude that Penny didn't fix the chair
0: i think penny's too uh i hate all vampires except for bass to like be like i'm not fixing your goddamn chair
1: seriously (laughs) it's still incredibly rude like lamb's clear distress at his chair being broken i'm like you guys this is a potential ally fix his fucking chair and i know Baz can't give away that he's a mage but like he should have at least made penny fix the chair
0: for real. Yeah. Getting uh, antiques restored, if you're not doing it yourself, can be deeply annoying. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like you could use like a good as new, right? With work to put furniture back together that's broken.
0: Yeah. Or like, I don't know. I'm like really thinking like the Humpty Dumpty rhyme, but that might be too much. <laughs> it might just like, I don't know. If like nursery rhymes are really powerful, mean,
1: that'd be like but Humpty Dumpty notoriously is not fixed. So That's that true. might actually make the chair permanently broken.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know you're right. Sorry, that is exactly what happens at the end. I don't even know. I'm like, that was something about him putting, nope, <laughs> they didn't put him back together. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did you say the spell would be? Good as new. Yeah.
1: I'm sure there are other ones that would work. Yeah. Baz would try to cast ship Shape in Bristol pa- fashion again, but it still wouldn't work. because no. <laughs> it, <in England. laughs> it,
0: really, it really would not. <laughs> uh.
1: Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development.
0: I guess I don't know if this is character development, but we learned that Lamb is the goddamn vampire
1: king of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, what if the chair they broke is his throne? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, they literally don't give a fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe only only Baswood, as someone who grew up probably with a lot of Very old, cool, antique furniture. Yeah. So, which, I mean, honestly, is, like, lucky for them to have, Baz to have lucked out of Bond. Not only someone who is, like, wants to just talk at Baz about vampires, but is also, like, in a very, maybe not quite good position, but is, like, Lamb doesn't necessarily have to answer to anyone else to be, like, giving them information and helping them out with the, like, next blood shit, so.
1: Right. Or selling them out to the next blood shit as we were. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or portraying them deeply as is what he actually does because (laughs) Lamb is an asshole.
1: Yeah. Who knows how it would have gone if they hadn't (laughs) busted in and destroyed his home, but probably he still would have sold them out.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, Breaking to his house and destroying his antiques probably don't help. Mm-mm. Like, the fact that, thankfully, Shepard is able to, like,
1: smooth things over. Imagine what would have happened if Shepard had not been here.
0: Lamb would have murdered them all, is what would have happened. Yes, <laughs> <Immediately>. he <would. laughs>
1: Whether or not Simon is invisible and can fly, Lamb would have killed him.
0: Yeah, I mean, Lamb heard his heartbeat, so, yeah. like being invisible doesn't help with that yep. uh, and yeah and I mean especially cause like I mean obviously Baz is their most diplomatic friend that they had before meeting Shepard but like yeah Penny and Simon are too much on their like kill everything hero shit that, that it just wouldn't have
1: worked out right yeah and Baz is really vulnerable in this particular situation too Hmm shepherd really fucking saves the day yeah um i just want to note how great it is to see baz like in an opportunity to just like use his scathing wit <laughs> <laughs> i love the conversation between him and lamb in the car
0: yeah it's it is laugh out loud funny when he's like, you find the only vampire willing to listen to, like, your speeches. And yeah. it's like that is such, that is so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it seems like him and Lamb have like a very, they're very well matched in terms of their senses of humor and stuff like that. And I love that that the book makes a point to note that they keep making each other laugh with their with their snark mm. basically.
0: Yeah. Um... We already did kind of talk about this, but just Simon is being so extra in these chapters, these trigger chapters. It's like, my dude, you literally cannot talk to Baz about your feelings, but you're totally fine, like invisibly stalking him and then trying to stake lamb for, I mean, I guess jealousy? I don't know. <laughs> I guess.
1: It's so <laughs> wild. He has just like no sense of what's important I feel like. Because it's like the conversation is very clearly going in Baz's favor. They're getting information. Simon has already like fucked it up by coming into the room because Lamb has noticed that he's there. So I mm-hmm. guess at that point like things are already screwed up. Yeah. But he's still... I feel like could have made things go much better if he'd just been like, hello, I'm Baz's invisible boyfriend. <laughs> like, <laughs> so sorry. I misunderstood what was happening here. Let me show myself out, you know, or literally anything, or just let Baz be like Simon, sit down and shut up. <laughs> and <done> yeah. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's hard because... I think this is one of the downside of Simon having solved so many of his past problems slash hero shit by just killing the thing. Yeah?
1: But Lamb is not the problem. Lamb is a source of information. I think that's what makes it so frustrating. Is like there are there are people here that you need to kill, or at least like get in a fight with to save Agatha. Lamb is not one of those people. The only thing he's doing wrong is flirting with baz
0: which is frustrating but the information that you need
1: free <laughs> and like whatever i don't know flirting if well whatever obviously their relationship is a fucking mess and there's like no trust yeah. or anything taking place but
0: i think i don't know i guess i feel like if it's one thing if it's like Baz wasn't trying to coax sensitive information out of Lamb without giving himself away in a way that could potentially kill him is Mm -hmm. like for me it feels like more like you gotta focus on the big picture
1: right exactly
0: um I guess we also have to mention that which makes sense because of how obsessed with Simon Baz is that he of course recognizes Simon's heartbeat
1: I know (laughs) That's incredible.
0: I know! And was like, I don't know, I just find that, like, it's very lovely. And I'm like, you should tell Simon that. I don't know, that seems very romantic.
1: Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. I kind of, I just feel like we should address the whole being a vampire is part of the circle of life conversation. Okay. Um, Just because I think it's interesting. I don't know that it's necessarily fucked up actually, but like it seemed like this was the place that it made sense for it to go, I guess. Yeah. What is your initial thoughts when when you read that? Okay. So my,
0: here's my biggest sort of initial thought is that I feel like, Part of part of what makes vampires interesting are really any kind of like i'm gonna put I'm gonna put monster in quotation marks, but really any any like creature and like media that preys on human beings. and i think I think part of that appeal is that in real life, people humans don't have like a natural predator. Mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about people who are like, you know, attacked by wild animals because they wander to their territory are like, you know, animals that for every reason can't hunt what their, uh, preferred food source and have turned to people, you know, like there isn't, it's like, we, you know, we learn that that like, you know, it, the circle of life, there is the ecosystem. It's like, you think of the lion king, it's like the lions eat the gazelles, but like what eats the lions? And you're like, well, like hyenas, will eat a lion. Even other predators usually have something that would that would eat them, you know? Right. Um, depending on the predator.
1: If they're, like, sick or injured or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah,
0: and yeah, then we have, like, apex predators that we think of, like, tigers or killer whales, where it's, like, really the only thing that is a threat to those animals is people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there isn't anything like that for human beings, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think... I feel like a lot of like horror monster media is just people sort of grappling with like, but what if there was something out there that ate people the same way that we, that made us not the top of the food chain, but like just, you know, there's something above, like something else that like preys on people. Right. So, and the fact that it's, you know, across the globe, people are like a common fear is like the dark and like snakes and like, apex predators like wolves or tigers or like what bears, you know, large apex predators that would take a human out but like s- statistically you'll find don't
1: really. Yeah, I mean they don't necessarily want to, yeah. I feel like.
0: Yeah, we're not part of like, you know, the preferred eating of any apex predator. So like right. we are like we are apex predators. Like we are the biggest apex predator at this point. Yeah. And have been for a really long time. And so I guess for me, I always, especially like with vampires, I think maybe in particular is, I'm always just kind of like humans kind of lucked out. Not with us, not having a predator that like exclusively or as part of like the normal diet of a predator, like preys on humans, mm-hmm. some kind of like, if there was, real life vampires it's kind of like it I mean it would they would be part of an, of the ecosystem you know and it's so, so I'm kind of like obviously having the conscious ability to like prey on humans or not you know is an ethical and moral issue but I guess I'm falling more in this sort of like I mean predators are part of the ecosystem just like everything else so yeah
1: Yeah, I think that I agree. I feel like the things that make it, make Lamb's argument make sense to me is several things. One, like, okay, I'm trying to not just do everything in the framework of Buffy because I know that everyone hasn't seen Buffy. So it's maybe not the most...
0: I I feel like it's hard, but I feel like Buffy's such a, a good example, though, to use, you know.
1: Yeah. Okay, so... For instance, we in Season 3, when we meet Anya, we see an alternative universe where Buffy never came to Sunnydale, and so the Master won, Mm -hmm. right? And he has created, like, a factory where—so there's just a fuckload of vampires. They they kidnap humans and then hook them up to this very confusing machine that extracts all of their blood, and then they, like, use a little, like, espresso glass to drink it, as if there's enough blood in a person to feed very many vampires anyway— And when you think about that realistically, you're like, that food chain is not sustainable. Like, you're killing all of these people, so there's a finite number of people. Obviously, eventually, you'll run out of people in Sunnydale, even if no one can move away because magic, right? Right. And they seem to be turning a lot of people, like there's hundreds of vampires. And eventually, you're just going to run out. And... uh, so there's, there's a built-in mechanism just like there is with everything else in nature besides people to limit reproduction of apex predators because you can't overtax your supply of food. Yeah. And so these vampires, A, don't kill people so that's it's replenishable. Like you could bite the same person multiple times, especially if they were to find an ethical situation where people with vampire kinks were like, please yeah. drink enough to get me off and not kill me and then I'll come back next week. you know, yeah. like, I think you totally could do ethical vampirism. And B, they're not going to be turning a bunch of people because they know that the more vampires there are, the more impact that has on the food chain, like the food that's available to them. Right. The only thing that makes it to me, seem like, well, are you part of, like, the circle of life is the immortality part. Because, you know, even for Apex Predators, like, age and time and death are your predators, right? Right. Like, I had this amazing game that I think was, like, war, but it was, like, a food chain card game. And... Like you would think that like Apex the Apex Predator card was like, you know, your ace or your king or yeah, whatever the highest one in war is. But in fact, it was the death and decay card followed by mushrooms were the strongest card in the game because like mushrooms eat death. So like there is something that impacts Apex Predators, but vampires, that's not that's not the case. They're just yeah. around. But if they limit their own population because they have that knowledge, yeah, that seems that seems fine to me. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of just it's sort of like, I mean, I think part of it is that even though vampires are the apex predator in this situation, they, like you know, so they're they're immortal, but the one thing they do have to worry about is humans finding out and then murdering them because because of just where vampires are in human culture it's like very common knowledge to be like oh well how would you kill a vampire and like all right you know right so
1: break their extremely precious antique chair and then stick them through the heart
0: (laughs) (laughs) they're very flammable apparently so there's that too yeah So, right. So as opposed to having the sort of built in sort of checks and balances where it's like, well, an apex predator normally, if it's like they have a year where like a bunch of foxes are successful at like breeding and like raising their young and they're like eating all these rabbits. But then the rabbit population goes down. Well, then it's like, well, the foxes are going to die off. And then like the rabbit population will sort of, it'll like kind of equalize itself out. Asterisk, unless there's human (laughs) intervention. And then it's just like coyotes and foxes are thriving. They're doing great. Right. Because <laughs> we've killed off all the apex predators. And anyway, so yeah, so it just, it seems like the vampires, at least these organized vampires with their vampire king, who is, I guess, on on some level, environmentally conscious, are like very thoughtful for the idea of like, all right, well, if no one wants to deal with whatever the fuck, a baby fledgling vampire doesn't want to do that. And then we also benefit from not increasing our numbers. Then it makes sense that they would have, they'd be organized enough to be like, you know, thinking about it like the long term and like long term survival, which is like, keep the population down. Don't just be murdering people willy nilly. And like, we can all just hang out with our cool antiques and like be fabulous in Las Vegas. You know, right. And like, there probably are other vampires like Baz who are just like, actually, I'm vegetarian, a.k.a. Oh, don't eat humans.
1: (laughs) Right, and as we learn in the next book, that means that they age and die, so there is a, there is an option for that too.
0: Yeah, which I mean, for some vampires, like you could definitely see where it's like, actually, I don't want to lose touch with all of my family and friends, or it's like, man, I'm really tired of the existential dread of of immortality. So,
1: yeah, I'm team no thank you to living forever. So.
0: I actually have some about some about that in Caught in a Landslide. And if you we can talk a little bit more about that if you want. Yeah. Cool.
1: Welcome to Caught in a Landslide where we rant about stuff.
0: So yeah, so Lamb is like when Baz is like, all right, well, what what feeds on vampires? And he's like, existential despair. And I'm like, that was not as much of a joke (laughs) as I think Baz. Like, I think Baz laughs. And it's like, I think he's being very honest about this. Do you? I I think he's being, I think he's being like half joking, half honest about this. Okay. Because even though, I guess as the one person who was like, I would become a vampire. That sounds cool. I could do all the cool things. But then it's sort of like, there still would be a kind of, at some point, I think you would reach a sort of like emptiness, and sort of like, all right, well, I've done all the cool things I wanted to do. Um, which, okay, it actually kind of reminds me of the very like the last couple episodes of this of the Good Place. Okay, um, where it's like we see all of our main characters, you know, they've they've made it to heaven. They're you know, it's an unending amount of time, and we see and I mean, we see our characters sort of like. I've done the things. I feel good with a conscious existence, and I'm going to move on into a sort of nothingness. One scatter my atoms throughout the universe, sort of non-conscious existence, mm-hmm. and like you know, seeing and like kind of like seeing all the characters, almost all the characters, sort of just be like, yeah, cool, forever is is fine, but I don't think I can keep going with this, you know, right? E- like every every whim done every book read so i think that i mean it probably depends on the person but i do think at some point you just kind of would be like well i've run out of hobbies i think (laughs) and like i don't really make deep intimate connections unless it's with other vampires who are maybe also feeling this sort of like emptiness of immortality so it's kind of like uh maybe it's time to just start Go vegetarian and just age myself into uh, a mortal death.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Listeners, I'm sorry. There's, I don't know, someone mowing their lawn or something suddenly outside. Um. <laughs> it seems, I guess obviously it's much warmer there. I'm like, it seems too early in the year we're to be mowing their lawn. People fucking love mowing their lawns. I don't even know. There's no way there's enough grass. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, I think that that makes sense. I mean, like I said, and I think have have said, um, I, I don't understand why anyone would want to live forever. And despite the fact that I absolutely, like, believe in ghosts in a way that would make you think that I believe in life after death, I, like, firmly don't. I feel like ghosts are, like, leftover energetic imprints. But... I always, I'm like so honestly confused by people's like attachment to the, the idea of like heaven because I'm like why would I want more being alive <laughs> after being alive? I just want to be done and why would you want otherwise? So yeah, I think I just don't see the appeal in vampirism at all. Aside from like enhanced senses and whatever, (laughs) all that stuff seems like it could be fun. But um, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. And I think that the Good Place analogy is like perfect It's spot on. Um, We've talked about literally everything that I have in here except for this, (laughs) which is that we get very nearly my least favorite writing thing in this chapter it's oh, okay. not quite him comma lamb comma it uh-huh. is him period lamb parenthetical which is an interesting take on the move but uh i don't like it <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god is that in is that in shepherd's chapter or in baz's chapter baz's did I even, chapter did i even notice
1: that i maybe i did not I think that it's happened maybe once before, but in a way where it may like it's more forgivable. I think in general in a book that's in first person, yeah, because that happens when you're talking, you know, yeah, because it does get more confusing with like if you have multiple people who use the same pronouns in a sentence to like designate who you're talking about when you're doing it conversationally, yeah. And the first time it happened in this series, I was like, "Yeah, no, that makes sense." In this, in this situation, I, mm-mm, nope. <laughs> Let me find it for you. It says, "I know I promised Snow that I wouldn't leave with Lamb, but I think I might have finally broken through with him." Lamb, what was I supposed to do? Insist that we continue our conversation next to the skip?
0: Yeah. I guess it's just like, you could have just used a lamb's name and not just him and then period and then parentheses lamb.
1: Yes. Or let us figure out from the context clues of the following sentence, which him you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like it's very, I think it's very clear, but also, yeah, if you didn't want it to be like, I wouldn't leave with lamb, but I might have finally broken through with lamb. Because that feels redundant or whatever, you could have changed the way you phrased the first sentence. There's no excuse for this one. I hate it. People who only listen to this podcast and not the Gailey Prophet, welcome to Lark's biggest grammar quirk issue corner. <laughs> <quarter.
0: laughs>
1: yeah. It's just so disappointing. Rainbow Rowell almost never lets me down in this way. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right. I, my last tutorial is like question for you. Okay. All right. So, Lamb is basically like, we don't turn over the vampires because no one wants the responsibility or the chaos of a new vampire. And I'm just like, obviously, Baz has a lot of self control because of his family being kind of supportive, slash, making sure that he doesn't, no one, anyone finds out and is he isn't like, stricken from the books or whatever so like i guess i'm just i'm just curious what do you think in the in these books what a like newly formed vampire i'm because i'm assuming he's talking about like an adult vampire and not right being turned when you're like five
1: right i mean obviously i think it would depend so much on the person but my mind just goes to nico who is just like yeah, I want to be a vampire because I want to be immortal. I want to be able to, you know, have superpowers. And I feel like, yeah, if you turn a teenager, it's gonna be <laughs> a mess. Like that's a terrible idea.
0: That's that's giving very like toddler with fangs energy, where you're just like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I have all these cool new this cool new stuff in my body.
1: Woo. Yeah. Like, I'm the most, I'm, like, so powerful, I can do whatever I want, I'm gonna, yeah, be, make terrible choices and be extremely reckless and, you know, potentially out the vampire community and whatever. hmm But I am curious about, you know, if you made a human friend or, like, fell in love with a non-vampire, a bleeder, as it were. And you're like, like them enough that you want them to be a vampire with you. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure what, yeah. what Lamb is implying would happen.
0: Yeah. Cause I feel like in that situation, you would already have a relationship with a person in this like newly formed vampire. And hopefully you could like make a plan. I don't know. Yeah. And like, again, I think it, I mean, I don't know. And it might just even depend on the
1: person, you know? Right.
0: But maybe is just being like, we don't turn people that we don't know, just like randos on the street. Right. That we're like snacking on,
1: you know? Yeah. Especially if you're like, your pool of people that you would potentially be turning are Las Vegas tourists, I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, it does actually, though, bring up an interesting point that your dating pool, though, would be other immortal vampires living in las vegas which sounds like honestly like the queer dating pool in any given city where it's like Mm -hmm. after a while you just know everyone because everyone is just everyone's exes and you're just like everyone just knows shit about everyone else you're just like oh
1: yeah. Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where I remind you that this podcast and everything that goes into making it, which is so much more than you would think about when you think about what goes into making a podcast, is done entirely by me and Jesse, and it is entirely listener supported, and there are lots of ways that you can support us, and they're all listed in the show notes because I don't want to take a bunch of time away to tell you what those things are, but please check it out and consider doing so. And leave us a good review, because we really like those. Okay, thanks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is the exact opposite (laughs) of an NPR pledge drive.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy? Where we talk about magic and science and magical science
0: so we don't get any direct spells but simon is like i suddenly be turned invisible i'm sure it was penny and i'm like what did she use as an invisibility
1: spell that is also my question here (laughs)
0: uh my first thought was and I i guess i don't know if this is uh popular enough in the lexicon to work but now you see me now you don't
1: Ooh, that's perfect I think it is. I mean, I think that, yeah. And isn't that sort of it's like a stage magician thing, right? Yeah. And so in Las Vegas, that's probably, in fact, an even more powerful spell. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, I just for, I just remembered that in this universe, Penn and Teller, are actual mages, who yeah, <laughs> for a long time, had a Las Vegas show. Yeah. Anyway yeah I was just kind of like oh, well, what spell did
1: she use yeah I think that's perfect um, it's curious that when they're all hanging out in Lamb's living room once everything's gone down Simon is still invisible so I'm like does Penny not know how to turn invisible again but if that's the spell I want to say that the counter spell would be to cover Simon in like a cloth and then like whip it up really fast
0: <laughs> yes uh- uh i would love to see that i wish that was what
1: happened Yep. me too Mm -hmm. all right do you have anything else here
0: in this section i have a couple
1: more things okay cool all
0: right so we get a little bit of more vampire stuff um we get confirmation that you can kill a vampire with a wooden stake through the heart which for the record would kill a lot of mammals like yeah almost thing that everything has a, a circulatory system if you jabbed <laughs> yeah. it in the heart with something
1: i think that's just the question is like does it dissolve into ashes after you do that <laughs> or do you rush it to the hospital hoping they can do something about it
0: <laughs> uh, and then i have one last thing which is off topic almost completely from this chapter but okay we get a mention that along with so the like furniture description that we get of Lamb's penthouse is that this fancy wooden chair and then this turquoise jacquard jacquard couch mm-hmm. and jacquard is really cool as a fabric so I want to talk a little bit about it.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, I'd love that.
0: Okay. So jacquard is like it's like a woven fabric, but what's really cool about it is that. Like, someone created a device, essentially, in the 1800s, a very, like, fancy loom to sort of industrialize Jacquard fabric. Because it's sort of like, it's usually, like, two different color threads in, like, a kind of, like, intricate pattern. And, but what's really cool about the Jacquard loom is that it was basically, like, the way it was done was like very, really, really early sort of like computer, essentially. Interesting. Because uh, the way that they would, the way that you could get different intricate patterns is that there were like these like punch cards sort of built in like a frame above the loom. And so if there was like a hole punch, um, the hook would go one way with the thread. And if there wasn't, it would like, it wouldn't use that thread at all. So using this sort of elaborate basic computer almost you could program the loom to do different sort of patterns in the fabric and it actually inspired uh babbage one of the like earliest people thinking about like an automated machine like a computer to sort of create his sort of rudimentary like this like the sort of like basics of what computers are ended up are kind of like based on now cool And it started with a jacquard loom. And there is, if you're in Michigan, (laughs) there's one at the Henry Ford you can look at. So,
1: That's really cool.
0: So I imagine that uh, Lamb's antique couch is like from like the 1800s. I'm like, this couch is old as fuck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. And incredibly uncomfortable. It's probably stuffed with horse hair.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's probably very pretty, but... Deeply uncomfortable.
1: I feel like I've never, never met a gorgeous couch that you would want to sit on. I don't. It's it's a it's a paradox. You know, you can't have. You just can't have both.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. It's like you have like a. a, You can. Yeah. It's like if you want a comfortable couch, it's just not going to be aesthetically pleasing.
1: Yeah, or not like super aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, you know, not like. Not a work of art, you know? Yeah. So I feel like anytime you're like, oh my god, that couch, you're like, oh god, this couch. (laughs) As soon as you sit down. (laughs) Anyway. Cool. We did it. We did it. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time we'll be talking about chapters 54 and 55, so get caught up on that remember to check the show notes for all of the things and until next time Scott